the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. At the end of time, God's people in Revelation 14.1 will follow the Lamb up Mount Zion to meet God. They'll go right into the most holy place where the throne of God is at. They will follow the servant who is chosen. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is the conclusion to The Chosen. We brought to you the first portion of this message yesterday, and we will conclude this broadcast now. If you have any questions about this message or if you'd like to listen to it in its entirety, you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here's Pastor Michael Oxentenko with the conclusion to The Chosen. Today's Reaching Your Heart. The second servant song is in Isaiah 49, 1 to 6. In the second servant song, the servant is the chosen and faithful one who was called from the womb to be God's servant. Now, we live in a time where people argue that life doesn't matter before it's born. When was Christ called, according to Scripture, from the womb? When was he named while he was in the womb? Friend, I'm sorry. Life is holy from the point of conception to the time it's born because Jesus was holy and Jesus was personal to God in that interim time. Thus the servant is chosen since he is called by the name of God and called in the womb. And by his faithfulness, the servant is the Israel of God here in this servant song who will bring Israel back to God. Thus the servant is the chosen call one. Isaiah 49 verse 1. Listen to me, O coastlands, and hearken, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name. So God is interacting with the embryo that would become Jesus. God is interacting with the child yet unborn because that child is God's child before it is born. Verse 2, he made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver he hid me away. The Hebrew word Torah for law comes from a verb that means to throw, to cast, or to shoot. And thus the Torah of God's law is God's arrow of truth that hits the mark in our lives. The law is God's purpose, His Word that comes like an arrow into us to change us. And thus this was in the servant in the womb. He was the arrow of God. The law and Word of God pierces the soul in the very heart of man. The servant of God here is the living law, the living arrow of God that was in Mary, hidden away in the quiver of God. And Jesus was named before He was born. You shall call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from His sins. And thus God validated his worth in the journey to become a born baby. John says the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. And we beheld his glory. Verse 3 continues. And he said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I will be glorified. 
The servant is Israel in this verse. And that's kind of funny because in the same passage a little later on, it'll say that the vine is Israel and the Jewish people understood it to be so. And we'll understand that the servant will reach Israel as well. But here it is defined contextually, the servant is Israel. In John 15, 1, Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine. And the vine was Israel. So what is he saying? He's saying, I am the true Israel. You know, you take the nation, but I am Israel. And so the servant is the true Israel of God that seeks to save Israel. That is not true to God. When you look at the Old Testament, Israel came from Jacob to form 12 tribes in the land of Egypt. And these 12 tribes formed a single nation at Mount Sinai. And this nation was known as Israel. That was its name. It was faithful sometimes. When you read the Old Testament, it was unfaithful most of the time. Not all that different than the church today. And when the Old Testament ends with the book of Malachi, for a few hundred years the prophets are silent because Israel is no longer faithful. And the promise is made in Malachi that God will send the great messenger of the covenant to prepare the way. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. When Jesus dies on the cross of Calvary in the New Testament, when his three and a half year ministry has run its course, he has been rejected, he has been reduced to a pariah, he has been arrested, he has been condemned, the nation he came to save officially has turned against him, and when Christ is hanging on the cross, his disciples have fled, his mother has been led away, and there's only one faithful Israelite left, and he's dying for the world and for the nation of Israel. And as a result in Jesus, friend, the Israel of God, that is Christ, extends the heart of God to create the Christian church, which becomes the new Israel built upon the faithful Israel that is Jesus. The word church means the called out ones. They're called out from the old to become part of the new. So Paul will proclaim that the church is in fact the Israel of God in prophecy. Look at Galatians 6 verse 15 with me. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but what does he say? But a new creation. Now circumcision was the sign and seal that you were a follower of Abraham, or at least a child of Abraham. Paul is saying, forget the old Israel, what it means to be a member of the old Israel. When you're baptized, according to Colossians, that's your circumcision. You are initiated into the church, the new Israel, by baptism. Then verse 16, he says, Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule. And now he's speaking to the church upon the Israel of God. You see, our connection to Jesus is what makes us the holy people of God. If we don't have a vital connection with Jesus, we're not the holy anything. We're not holy. We're not considered a chosen people or anything. But if we are in Christ, we are connected. Through Jesus, the church becomes Israel because Jesus is Israel. Jesus is the servant, the true vine that is Israel. And thus we are God's people now. Isaiah 49.3, continuing in the servant's song. And he said to me, You are my servant Israel in whom I will be glorified. Verse 4, But I said I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. Sometimes we think, well, Christ was a success during his entire ministry. When you read the story in the Gospel of John, most of his disciples left him because he would not force his way to be king. He would not defeat the Romans and establish an empire on their terms. And they left him. And we went to Passion Week. He was a pariah. He had a few followers. A crowd gathered and rejoiced. But they quickly turned into the mob that jeered at his crucifixion. Christ's ministry of three and a half years ended in apparent failure. At the cross, it looked like Jesus 
had given his strength and energy for nothing, and that his sacrifice and his life ministry was an empty thing in the end. And then Jesus cried out those awful words on the cross as God's servant, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It looked like his sacrifice for us had failed to him. And yet Jesus trusted his Father to reward his efforts by raw faith to save the world in the sacrifice of the servant. He would never take the chance to give up. And so he gave his life without the certainty of its victory until the very end of his life. On the cross, Jesus was the servant, the chosen, the faithful, the one who was called by name. In verse 5, the servant song continues, And now the Lord says, Who formed me from the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. So the servant is Israel, and yet the servant gathers Israel. He goes on to say, For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Out of the horrible, crushing discouragement that Jesus endured becomes the light of the world that pierces the darkness of the nations. There was light at the dawn of time when God said, let there be light. There was light again when God gave the word because his word is a lamp and a light. But the written word was nothing but an extension of the living word who is Jesus. And when Christ broke the boundaries of the tomb on resurrection morning, John 8, 12 had a whole lot more meaning than when he spoke it at the temple. I am the light of the world. Christ is the first dawn that breaks the power of death. I am the light of the world. And he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I don't know about you. I don't want to walk in darkness in my life. Do you? I don't want to have attitudes that are of the enemy. I don't want to be overcome with discouragement or have a resentment toward another person. I want to have Christ in my life. And friend, if we walk with Christ, we will be governed by the Spirit of Christ. Our lives are filled with darkness naturally, unless Jesus is the light that illumines the road. In Isaiah 49.6, the fourth servant song ends with the promise that the servant's light will reach the whole world with the light of God. Let's look at it together. Isaiah 49.6. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. And I like this part. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. You know, sometimes we think the church is the light of the world. In a sense it is, because Jesus said we are. But the ultimate light that goes to the world is Jesus, the servant. The church is to bear witness to who Jesus is. And so God gives Jesus to be the light, and the church goes because the church points back to Jesus. This verse is quoted just before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he gathered his disciples together. He gave them the great commission, in a sense, to go to the world in the book of Acts. And he remembered that God had appointed him as the light of the world, but he had appointed his disciples to take him to the world. Acts 1.8, he says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, sometimes we think we have power because we've studied hard, we've worked hard, or we've been voted in a position in the church. And Christ is saying, you know how you get power? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be what kind of witnesses? What does the text say? What? My witnesses. And we're going to talk about Jesus as we move through our life. You know that? 
We're to bear witness to what Christ has done for us. We can also talk about the doctrines of the Bible. That's great. But they should wrap around the person of Jesus in our testimony. He says, you shall be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. That's risky. Samaritans were considered racially different from Jews. And thus he breaks the bounds of racism. And to the end of the earth, you're to go everywhere. And so right here in this verse, Acts 1.8, he quotes the third servant song. He quotes the very song that the salvation would reach to the end of the earth. In verse 4, Jesus is the servant who listens to God, who is taught of God, who sustains the weak with His Word. Thus the servant is the Word of God that sustains the life and ministers to the people who need help. Isaiah 50 verse 4, moving along. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him that is weary. You ever wondered how to use your tongue right? Well, use it to sustain someone instead of tearing them down and watch God work in your life. Use it to build somebody up. If you don't agree with someone, pray for them with your tongue. That's what the servant did. Morning by morning he wakens. He wakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. When you go over to Mark 135, we know Jesus did this. And in the morning, a great while before day, he rose and went out to a lonely place, and there he prayed. Good advice for us too, isn't it? The servant prayed early in the morning in a lonely place. In the third servant song, which we're now looking at, they smite the servant. They pull his beard out. They spit on the servant's face. They expose him to shame. And yet the servant sets his face like a flint to save the world. The servant can walk in darkness in the context and have no light, but still there is light for him. Why? Because the servant is the light of the world. The servant is God's Word. Friend, we're to trust God and obey the servant no matter what happens to us in life. You ever had something bad happen to you? Lately? A couple of you? Okay, It can happen right out of the blue. The servant had a lot of bad things happen to him. But the servant was light in the darkness. He trusted God no matter what. We are too. Pastor Michael Oxentenka will continue in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-supported program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Or you can stop by our website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get back to the broadcast now. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenka with more of today's Reaching Your Heart. Isaiah 50, verse 10, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of His servant, who walks in darkness and has no light, yet trusts in the name of the Lord and relies upon His God? You see, our lives are to be patterned after the servant how he functioned in his calling, we are to see it as the pattern for ours. When we trust the servant in the context, we trust God. We may not know why God is doing this or that, but when we trust him, we are in the will of God. And so the servant becomes God's word for God's people because the servant is the word of God. And when the end comes, and it's coming, those who follow the chosen one are also chosen by God. 
The fourth and final servant song is Isaiah 52:13 to 53:12. It's a famous passage. It's perhaps the clearest passage in the entire Old Testament that describes Jesus' death on the cross as suffering for us. The final servant song also begins exactly the way the first one did, Isaiah 52:13. Let's take our Bibles and turn there. It begins this way, it ends this way. From the first servant song to the fourth servant song. Behold, my servant shall prosper. He shall be exalted and lifted up and shall be very high. Jesus was lifted up on the cross and Jesus was very high. Now, I've been a student of the book of Daniel. In Daniel 8, there is an antichrist little horn power that's trying to copy Christ. And this little horn power seeks to destroy the role of Jesus Christ in the book of Daniel. Unlike Jesus, he exalts himself. Unlike Jesus, he lifts himself up. And like Jesus, he claims to be very high. The problem is Christ never exalted himself. Christ never lifted himself up. God did that. But men made him very high because they put him on a cross. And so the little horn of Daniel 8 wants to be Christ, but doesn't have the moral qualifications to be Christ. Jesus was lifted up on the cross, and Jesus was very high. Now Christ will quote this very verse, the very first verse of the fourth servant song, in John 12, 31, just before the cross. And he said, I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Verse 14 continues, As many were astonished at him, his appearance, the Hebrew word is mare, was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the sons of men. And so shall he startle many nations, literally sprinkle many nations, Cause them to be clean. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they shall see. And that which they have not heard, they shall understand. In the fourth servant song, the servant bears all our sins and carries all our sorrows. Why? Because he is the servant. God lays on him the iniquity of us all. The chosen servant is oppressed and afflicted as a man of sorrows and grief. They hide their face from him. They despise him. He becomes a shame object. He is bruised for our iniquities, not his. There's nothing wrong with the servant. And with his stripes that really belong to us, we are healed. But he is not. All our sin, the prophet says, is caused to meet inside the servant in a final judgment that we deserve. Not that he deserves it. We deserved it. And like a lamb to the slaughter, the servant goes to die without opening his mouth. He does not defend himself. He does not prevent the outcome. He lets it happen. And by his death and by his sacrifice, the servant makes many to be accounted righteous. That's the language of Paul in the book of Romans. Because the Savior is the chosen and the righteous one. Isaiah 53, 11, He shall see the fruit of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant. You see, that's not us. That's him. Our righteousness is, you know, it's there most of the time maybe, but not all the time. And who knows what it can be like. The righteous one is the servant. It says he shall make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Paul's understanding of justification by faith, that we are counted righteous because we have faith in Christ, is coming from this verse, verse 12. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong. Why? Because he poured out his soul to death, was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Well, that's Mike Oxentanko. What about you? Are you in that list? Christ was on the cross of Calvary 
He could have thought and talked about a lot, but he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's us, right? He made intercession for the transgressors, but he was the righteous one. The righteous dying for the unrighteous, praying for us that we would be saved. And he would make us to be accounted righteous. You know, we can't make ourselves righteous, but the servant can. Behold the servant, the chosen. In the last of the servant songs, the servant is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. At the baptism of Jesus, John, in John 1.29, saw Jesus walking and He pointed at Him. And He mixed this language of Isaiah 53 with the Lamb in the first part of the servant song. And He said, Behold the Lamb of God. He didn't say the servant. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world because the Lamb is the servant. The Lamb is the servant who takes away our guilt, who restores us to God because He is the righteous one. We hear a whole lot of talk about being righteous in these last days. I want to be righteous. But the righteousness that will get you through the last days is Christ's righteousness. Christ's righteousness can be imputed to you, reckoned to you legally, and it can be imparted to you experientially. Your life is your change. But here's the point. It is not your righteousness. It is His righteousness. At the end of time, God's people in Revelation 14.1 will follow the Lamb up Mount Zion to meet God. They'll go right into the most holy place where the throne of God is at. They will follow the servant who is chosen. In Revelation 15.2, the Bible says they will stand on the sea of glass with victory over the mark of the beast and its image. And because of the servant of God, who was first Moses, and then the greater servant who is the Lamb, Jesus Christ, God's people in the end will sing the complete and final victory song over the mark of the beast and its image. And they will sing a song of redemption and they will never look back and see sin and sorrow again because the beast and his image and the mark of his name, the Bible says they will overcome it at the time of the end because of the servant of God, the teachings of Moses, but the greater servant, the Lamb. Revelation 15.3 And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and wonderful are thy deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, O King of the ages. And when the end comes, when the beast power unites with the kings of the earth and the harlot rides the beast in Revelation 17, Revelation 17, 14 is so clear. Together that unified religio-political economic order, which is the end of nationalism, for a very short period of time, it says they together will make war on the Lamb. And the Lamb will conquer them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And I like this. You can underline it in verse 14. Those with Him. How many of you will be with Jesus, the servant? You will be with Him in your life at the time of the end? It says those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. Friend, Jesus is the chosen servant. Jesus was faithful. Jesus was called from the womb of His mother. But guess what? If you belong to Jesus, you are called, you are chosen, and you are faithful too. So choose Him. Have faith in Him. And some people say, Pastor Mike, my faith is not like Jesus. How many of your people here would believe your faith is like Jesus? I don't. That's not what He's asking of us. Do you have a mustard seed of faith? Well, the mustard seed of your 
weak faith can lay hold of the mountain of His faithfulness. And as far as God is concerned, you have the faith of Jesus. And so have faith in Him. Obey the servant, the chosen, and share the victory of the Lamb of God who conquers as the servant. And never look in the mirror and boast of the fact that you are chosen. Look to the one who is the chosen one and rejoice that He shares that privilege with you because you're a Christian. God bless you. Father, may you take everyone here who has met you in humility on your terms, not theirs, and may you make them chosen because they're called and give them the power to be faithful because Jesus is the chosen faithful one. And thank you, Lord, for the servant who went through it all that we would have heaven. Give us heaven here. More importantly, give us Jesus who is heaven. In his name, that will conclude The Chosen. That's The Chosen, and you can find the entire message online if you missed the first portion of this broadcast at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening today. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.